Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out Anchor. Dot .fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Use promo code PNF20 to save 20% off your jig order. Welcome to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. This is the final cast segment with your hosts Brad Hicks and Josh Eldridge, where we cast our final opinions on all products good and bad. Welcome to the final cast. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Network. This is the final cast. I'm your host, Josh. I'm Brad. And tonight we have an epic guest, Glenn Young from Z-Man. Glenn, how are you doing tonight? Epic. That's quite a title right there. I'm going to have to add that on my business card. <laughs> hey, man, all of our guests are epic, man. We, we treat our oh, guests so like well, Never mind. Here. I'm not that special, I guess. Oh, I no, you, you are. All of our guests are awesome. I'm Way to ruin it, Brad. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn yeah. uh, decided to sit down and talk chatterbaits because yep. you know why? That is literally Brad's favorite bait. Bat- Brad <laughs> won his first tournament and only tournament, right? You've only won one <laughs> with yeah. a chatterbait. Yeah, but uh, uh, he had to bring he, that up, didn't he? Yeah. Well, it was an impressive win. It was actually last year in the spring for a uh, river tournament that ended up turning into a lake tournament because mm-hmm. of the awful wa- uh, weather that we had last year during the spring and beginning of summer. Mm-hmm. And Brad uh, put on a showing for everybody and basically showed everybody how a chatterbait needs to be thrown in muddy six foot, you know, above pool type of water. So That's he put on a where clinic. it shines. Yeah. Hey, uh, everybody started me, started calling me Bradderbait after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> so, Glenn, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for Z-Man, and sure. you know whatever else you'd like to share. Sure. I'm the national sales manager for Z-Man. I also handle all international sales as well. Um, and I've been with Z-Man for a little over 10 years now. Uh, prior to that, 
I was with uh, Shakespeare uh, for a little while, and prior to that, I ran Gamakatsu for 10 years. And before that, I worked about a, a decade as a full-time guide, rep, um, instructor, uh, tournament caster, everything mostly on the fly fishing side of things, because that's kind of how I got my start in the business. I started as a kid um, with a fly tying company when I was 12. Uh, me mm. and a friend of mine started a fly tying company in Oregon, and basically just tied flies for sporting goods stores all around the northwestern u.s and at the age of, of 12 yeah that's when we nice. started. yeah well it was well it's mostly because we loved fly fishing but our parents wouldn't buy us the equipment we really wanted and they said look if you want to buy this stuff you know we'll support you but you know you got to work for it yeah, so we yeah. started tying flies professionally and did that all the way through high school it was great we made a lot of money spent every penny we ever made um, never saved any of it because we blew it all on fishing equipment, which was the whole point of the deal to begin with. And um, it was fantastic. And, and me and my partner are still, we're still best friends to this day. And we're both still in the industry, actually. He's, he works on the travel side of things and he's managed lodges and stuff. And, you know, I kind of uh, went off when I got out of the military, I kind of got back into the uh, fishing thing as, as a guide and fly fishing instructor and tournament caster and all that. And I, I guess, you know, I've, I've been a lifer in this industry only because I have a passion for it. I love fishing, period. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. That's awesome that you got started with a company like that. And you guys started your own business at such a young age and stuck with it all this time. And you get a, you know, it's like they say, you won't work a day in your life if you do, uh, you know, something that you love. And, you know, that's pretty cool. It's, it's, uh, it's very true. Something a lot of us anglers would love to do, but not it's not yeah. in our cards as a Brad. <laughs> no. Brad's, a, Brad's a carpenter by trade, and I work in the steel industry. So, But I'll tell you what, I'll guarantee you, you guys probably fish more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've always thought about that. I didn't know how uh, much people in the industry actually do get to fish. It's uh, honestly, it's not as often as you'd think. Um, for me, being in the industry as long as I have, I've been on numerous television shows and I've appeared on a lot of different YouTube videos and things like that over the years for different companies. And I've been fortunate. I've been able to travel the world doing this. And so people who know me know me from the videos that I've been in. So that's all they know of me. There are no videos of me sitting in front of spreadsheets all day. Mm -hmm. There are only videos of me fishing and catching fish. So they assume that's what I, what I do. And granted, I do get to fish a fair amount. I've had the opportunity to fish a lot of great places, but, and this is what I tell people. I do seminars for colleges and high schools and stuff too. And first question I'll ask these guys when I walk into a room, because a lot of them who know me, I walk in and I'm a rock star to these guys. So I walk in and I ask them one question. How many of you in this room want my job? And every hand goes up. <laughs> I say, okay, now let's get something straight. Before you make your career choices, let's understand there are two things you will not get in this industry. The first is wealthy. The mm -hmm. second is time to fish. So you better keep that in mind before you decide to jump into this business full time. You know, yeah. and like I said, there are worse businesses to be in. But the fact is, I don't get to fish as often as people think I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, you hear that often also. I still enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the fact. I mean, this is a business. And, you know, most of the time I'm busy running the business. And yeah. that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, you, you <laughs> mentioned international too, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do all the international sales as well. 
Um, that was awesome. I think in 2015, I got to spend a couple of weeks in Australia um, because we're the number one lure brand there and have been for many years. And I got to go down there and, and train up a bunch of the salespeople and stuff down there. And I got an opportunity to fish while I was there and film some videos and stuff with guys. And this year I get to go to Europe um, for the European tackle show. So, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate when I was with Gamakatsu, I got to go to Japan a few times and, you know, I've, I've been very, very fortunate. I have, you know, so it's not like, Oh, I never get to fish and this job sucks. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's a great yeah. gig. I just don't get to fish as much as I would really like to, because I love fishing. That's yeah. awesome. So, uh, kind of going off what you were just talking about with visiting Japan, I've always kind of had, you know, you see that there's a lot of, ta- um, you know, fishing lure tackle companies that are based out of Japan and, yeah. um, is it as big as it is here uh, in Japan? Um, I wouldn't say it's as big as it is here only because of the population base and the access to fishing that they have. Um, from what we see on our end, we presume that it is huge. And fishing is a huge part of their life over there. But right. the bass fishing part of it is very, very small. Most of their fishing mm-hmm. is done in saltwater. And... Um, if you ever want to see some really funny videos, go look up IU fishing in Japan, because I mean, that's one of the things that they do over there in some of the rivers they have there. Um, and it's where they're using a telescoping rod. That's like 25 to 30 feet long. And they've got a live IU on the other end of it. That's got hooks hanging all over it that they lower into another hole to snag another IU that tries to attack it. And then they <laughs> throw it into a tiny little net in the air. So it's <laughs> Wow, it's a crazy crazy fishery, and they spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to do it. But the thing with the Japanese tackle industry, and I think the thing that most of us here in the West have learned to appreciate, is their craftsmanship. Um, You know, when they sit down to design a lure or a method or anything like that, it's very, very detailed, very precise. I mean, they don't just rush something to market they test it for a long time and there's a lot that goes into every bit of it it's probably a lot more artful over there than a lot of the lure businesses here right yeah i mean you kind of see some some of the companies out there they'll start cutting us corners with the cheaper hooks and yeah you know just uh you know it's well known in the industry how a lot of people as soon as they buy a jerk bait they're switching out the hooks of it so right. yeah i've always I've I've been a subscriber for Mystery Tackle Box, and there's mm-hmm. a huge difference in the American-made products versus the Japanese products as far right. as like the hardware that comes already installed on your lures, and it's it's kind of crazy to see the difference. And like you said, the craftsmanship that you see, and even like the attention to color and detail yes. within, it's just second to none, really, when it comes down to it. Well, there's a huge pride factor involved for them, too. I mean, they're not going to put something out that anybody would want to perceive as junk. You know, I mean, working for Gamakatsu for 10 years, I learned that in the hook industry. I mean, you could say it's just bending wire and putting a point on the end. But the amount of time and care and thought that they put into every single hook that they ever engineered, designed, or built Mm -hmm. is what put them on the map. It wasn't just let's run some wire through a mill and, hey, here's a pointy thing, and I hope it holds up for you. I mean, they took their (laughs) time and crafted every single hook that they made. They were, by far, when I started with them, they were nothing. 
I mean, nobody knew who they were, and people were telling me, "Man, ain't no way nobody's going to spend two ninety nine on a pack of hooks." <laughs> and <laughs> right and now, look at them. now for a pack of yeah. hooks, right? You'd yeah. love to pay two ninety nine for a pack of hooks. Yeah, but especially you know, but back to. then, right? Yeah, but back <laughs> yeah. then, nobody would even conceive of spending money, that kind of money, on a hook. Until you explain them as like, well, all right, you spent how much on your rod? How much on your reel? You made sure you bought the best line that there was on the market so it wouldn't mm -hmm. break. And you really want to put a piece of crap hook at the end of all of that, the one piece that has to hold on to what you just spent a fortune to pursue? Right. No. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you really want to. That's the most important part of the whole thing. Right, right there. That in the line. That's yes. <laughs> and so that's really kind of. What got Gamakatsu going was that whole perceived quality, you know, and it's still there. I mean, they, you know, they engineer their own steel. They do everything right there in their own facility. They don't farm stuff out. They don't source stuff out to other countries. You know, they, yeah. they take pride in the fact that they craft everything. Yeah. Nice. So Glenn happens to be a kayak fisherman as well. Uh, Glenn Hardcore. said that he is a 99.9% percent kayak fisherman yep and uh so uh you want to tell us how you got into kayak fishing what uh what kind of boat you got going on right now i couldn't afford a boat so that's what got, got me into kayak fishing <laughs> same here <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. what a lot of us do Make it right? really simple i mean i i started fishing out of kayaks in the northwest when i was living out there and uh it, i just found it so convenient because i could launch it anywhere right. um, there were a lot of creeks and rivers and places that i could get to in my kayak that the guys in boats just couldn't get to and i found that the gas was a lot cheaper in my kayak yeah. too it didn't cost <laughs> nearly as much to fill that up and so i mean i've always just been i even when i was a kid i mean me and my buddy fished out of float tubes forever you know we didn't buy boats and stuff we fished out of float tubes you know and even back and i'll tell you a funny float tube float tube story um, when we first bought our float tubes in 79, that's going back a ways, people didn't know what those were. And they would see us out in the water paddling. We was like, y'all got a motor under that thing? How are you getting around? They couldn't understand the concept of yeah. having little scuba fins and moving around. And the one time that that actually came in handy for me was when I was stationed in San Antonio. I used to go out and fish a place called Calaveras Lake. And I would take my float tube out there, which the first thing you have to understand when you fish a float tube anywhere in texas as you realize that you're a rest stop for water moccasins no. so you have to you have to be armed because they're out there swimming around that they just see an island it's like oh thank god an island and they really see you as an opportunity to rest yeah. but i was fishing off the face of the dam and i was annihilating the stripers and this boat saw me killing the, all these stripers so he immediately started motoring it wasn't even a fishing boat it was just a giant pleasure boat and he started to plow towards me and i'm turning around looking at this guy like oh my god are you serious and the guy on the bow of the boat turned back to the guy driving it and threw his hands up in the air waving at him to stop whoa whoa stop 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 and he looks at me and he says are you standing up out there <laughs> and i immediately said yeah it's super shallow. I don't think I'd bring that big boat in here if I were you. He's like, oh, my God, thanks, man. And they turned around and left. That's <laughs> so awesome. Nice. They didn't understand that it was 60 feet deep where I was fishing right there. <laughs> That's those crazy. were details that I didn't need to tell them. So I've nice. always kind of 
been that kind of an angler, the guy that's, you know, I like the access. I like having control over where I can launch and where I can put in. And Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. For me, it's just always been kayaks. And, you know, I, I just, that's probably the way I'll always be. I love fishing out of a kayak. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned you had a native uh, Propel 10. I do. Yeah, I recently bought that. Um, I've had it for just a couple of months now, um, and I absolutely love it. I mean, for a 10-foot boat, it is incredibly stable, you know, because yeah. I can stand up and, you know, and flip patties and stuff like that with it. Um, when I'm fishing salt water with it, um, having that pedal drive when you're in a current situation and tide water and stuff, oh, it's so nice being able to control, you know, where I can go and all that and not have to paddle constantly and then set the paddles down and then cast. I mean, I, I have an anchor system for it and I hardly ever use it. Yeah, because I don't need to. I can control myself so well with that that pedal drive system that even on windy days on a lake or stuff, I very rarely have to use the anchor. And mm. I absolutely love that feature about that boat. You know, just for a ten foot boat, it fits easily in my garage, loads in the back of my pickup truck. It takes me literally. I timed it two minutes to load that boat in the back of my truck, strap it down, and leave. That's not bad. You know, it's, no, it's not bad at all. Mm. <laughs> so, it's just uh, not me. It takes me forever so to get convenient. ready, doesn't it, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all good though. It's all good. <laughs> no, I I absolutely love it. It's it's really spoiled me having that having that boat now. Um, the places I've been able to fish with it, you know, I can launch anywhere with a boat yeah. like that. And, and I love that factor. And, you know, living here in Charleston, we fish a lot of saltwater here for redfish and speckled mm -hmm. trout. And, you know, and having that boat just affords me the ability to get places that a lot of the other boats really just can't get to as easily as I can. Heck yeah. That seems to be the, uh, the trend with kayak fishermen. What, you know, kind of we all get attracted to is that that ability to reach those hard to reach places. And also like you, you touched on it's, it's cost effective, you know, like yeah, a lot of people get sticker so. shock really over some of the prices of pedal drives, but in the long run, you're not, you know, getting motorboats up and down those small creeks, those rivers. And even with a lake, man, even with like, if it has, you know, a packed boat ramp, you could still usually launch somewhere close to there, you know, yeah, or right. I even have to wait. So a lot of it just comes down to accessibility. And I think that's the biggest benefit of having a kayak like that is accessibility. Yeah. Just there's so many more places that I can have access to with that kind of a boat that you just can't have with a big boat. Yeah. Well, you we're going to go at ahead. At that point, and... it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into some chatterbait talk. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, man. I I'd like to uh, go into where the chatterbait started. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, like the the original, uh, I guess. The original chatterbait. Actually, there's uh, for all of your listeners out there. There's a there's a fantastic documentary out there. It's called 
the million dollar idea and it's on a website called 20 feet deep and this documentary i mean if you ever have 20 minutes to kill and you just want to watch the most fascinating story ever this is it and it's interviews with ron davis and ron davis jr the guys that invented the original chatterbait Mm -hmm. how they came up with the idea how it came to market how z-man got involved with this whole thing it's an absolutely fascinating story because let's face it, it is a very unique lure. Yeah. And when it came out, it created a category that didn't exist before bladed swim jigs. And now in every tackle shop, there's a category for that. It's not a lure, it's a category. And that's an important distinction with the chatterbait that it's not just another bladed type of lure. This is an, this is an entire category. Yeah. And so when it started off, it was invented by Ron Davis um, from Rad Lures. And this, you know, it started happening probably around, you know, like 2005, around in that frame mm-hmm. when he was really working on it. And where it really hit the big time was around 2006 when Brian Thrift won a tournament on Lake Toho by a big margin using this lure. And of course, you know how the bass guys are. Once, somebody wants to turn them on a lure they've never seen before everybody has to have it yeah and so immediately it just exploded and in fact at that time i remember when that came out because i was still at gamakatsu at the time i remember when this came out and you could actually find chatterbaits on ebay for 100 bucks a piece wow oh yeah because because essentially Rad Lures at the time couldn't keep up the demand that was created by yeah. all the hype surrounding this thing. And that's kind of where Z-Man got involved. So Z-Man's history goes back. We've actually been around more than 30 years. But as a consumer brand, we've only been around since about 2008. Prior to yeah. that, we were a manufacturer of silicone skirts. So we had a skirt plant here in Charleston that we manufactured skirts for basically every manufacturer out there that made spinnerbaits and jigs at the time. And because we had sources and we had resources and we could get things done, that's about the time that Radlers approached Z-Man about helping take over the manufacture and distribution of the chatterbait. Because essentially... Okay. They couldn't keep up. There was just way too much demand, and they just simply didn't have the resources to handle it, but Z-Man did. Mm-hmm. So that's why they came to Z-Man at the time. So they came to Z-Man. We took over the sourcing and distribution for it, and then what happened was in 2008, we actually bought it outright. Okay. So we actually bought the chatterbait and got the patents and everything secured in 2008. That's essentially what started Z-Man on the path of becoming a consumer brand that we are now, was that. So, go ahead. I I believe the first time I heard of the original Chatterbait was probably 2014. So So. you're late to the game. That's okay. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I I was was probably late. I was just just getting into (laughs) kayak fishing at that time. But that's okay. You got to win on it, so that's all good. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, at that time, it was very unique. It was a game changer for the entire industry. So that's kind of what brought us into 
being the Chatterbait Company originally. Mm-hmm. And of course, now, you know, we're far beyond just being recognized as the Chatterbait Company. We're, we've moved way beyond that now. In fact, it's, it's funny. I've actually been on trips recently where people see me wearing Z-Man stuff and like, oh, my God, I love your Ned Rigs. Whereas yeah. it used to be, <laughs> oh, my God, I love your Chatterbaits. And now it's like they know us for other stuff now, which is fine. Yeah. But since then, the Chatterbait as a category has continued to grow. And as you're well aware, we have numerous different offerings within the Chatterbait family. And the reason that we do that is because we're, we're all fishermen. Everybody that works in a company is a fisherman. I mean, our president, um, Daniel Nussbaum, is a hardcore angler. Um, I think Daniel's probably on a first name basis with every redfish in Charleston by now. <laughs> you know, seriously. I mean, the guy, I mean, I hate fishing with him because he's so freaking good. It's one of those things like, do I let him cast or not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you fish with him, he's one of those guys. And, you know, and, and I fish and, and everybody that works with us fishes. We're all anglers. So we all have the same type of passion. And we also understood that once the chatterbait started to take off, we needed to be able to offer different models at different price points with different components to satisfy the needs of all the anglers that are out there. Because, I mean, face it, especially, you know, bass guys are really a picky bunch. Yeah. And they really are. You know, they're the kind of guys that look at a bait and go, well, that's really good, but you got to move that one little black fleck from here over to here, and then you got (laughs) something. (laughs) Okay, buddy. That's true. So, you know, so when you look at, you know, the original Chatterbait, that came out. The next step in the evolutionary process for us was the Elite Series, Mm because we knew that working with our pros at the time, we needed to be able to offer a higher-end, higher-quality Chatterbait. Um, out there, you know, because the original Chatterbait is a price point item and it always will be, you know, it's one of those things that's designed to be accessible for everybody, you know, and it still catches fish, even though there's all these other models, bass haven't seen to get, you know, gotten the memo yet that, you know, they can still eat this one. They don't have to take all the newer models, but each one's designed a little bit different. So, so when we look at the elite series, the Elite Series uses a Gamakatsu hook on it. It's got a 5 aught Gamakatsu spinnerbait hook on it. The head design's a little bit different than the original in that it's yeah. a little bit flatter and wider than the original. And the blade is connected to not the hook eye, but a wire form at the front of that head. So it's close to the head so that it's designed to make contact with the head you know, on okay. a retreat. And that's the whole idea behind that. And then we put, you know, a serious keeper behind it. We upgraded all of the components on that to make it truly the elite chatterbait. So that was your next step up in quality was that one. Then from there, what we did is we expanded that into then the Project Z chatterbaits. So the project. Thank you. I see. (laughs) You know what? We're getting along just fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one I won the tournament on. That's the one I've caught all my biggest fish on. It's still personally my favorite as well yeah. that's what you know if i if i'm going to throw a chatterbait most of the time it's going to be an elite or not the elite but the project z i yeah. just love the action on it um and i think a lot of the reason that the guys like that when you look at it the blade design and the head design are completely different yeah um when you it's look more... at the elite it, yeah the, the blades out front and it's more of like a swim jig design yeah. it's got you know more of a swim jig head on it 
and the blades out front, which to me gives it more freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. So one of the knocks on chatterbaits on for some people is that they don't always vibrate right away as soon as they hit the water. You got to give them a little start to get them going. Yeah. The Project Z starts vibrating the second it hits the water and there's any tension on it. So it's yeah. vibrating immediately and it has a little bit of a wider swing to it. It's just different. So for me, that's what drew me to the Project Z was like, I love this, you know, the action, the vibrations immediate on it. And then from there, I evolved into taking the skirt off of it and just rigging, rigging a straight up razor shad on it without a skirt. And that is my go-to chatterbait now. Really? Yes, it is. I'm going to have to try that. Um, I, I do use the, the razor the shads. It's a lot better. Well, you know, the razor shad's a great chatterbait trailer, but I think yeah. there are some situations where I don't want the big bulky skirt profile. Mm-hmm. I want the bait fish profile. So in a situation like that, I take that skirt off. I go straight razor shad on a Project Z body. And then I can take it a step further if I want to throw it into cover. We make the Project Z weedless. Okay, so we have the one with the brush guard. And I will tell you this from experience, it is weedless. I have tried to hang that thing up and can't do it. Um, The first year we came out with that, I had some customers. I took them, I used to do an annual trip out on the West Coast on the California Delta. And I would bring a lot of my dealers and stuff out there. And the first year we had the weedless version of it, I had one rigged up on a client's rod. And he looked at me and said, what's this? I said, well, that's the new weedless Project C. He looked at me with that look in his eye and said, weedless, huh? And I could tell immediately, I'm like, oh, are you going to be that guy? (laughs) (laughs) And he immediately chucked it as far back into the Thule's as he could. There wasn't even water there. It was just straight into the Thule's. Just so that you had that little smirk on his face and he started reeling and it came through. So he just, That's cool. He said, okay, I guess it is weedless. <laughs> so it is it is a weedless version of it. So when I am fishing around structure and stuff, I tend to go with that. And typically when I fish that, I do take the skirt off and throw the razor shed on there. Yes. Um, so, so I get that more slender profile on it. So that's the Project Z. And the Project Z is higher end components. Okay, so it's got the Mustad fast hatch clip on the front. It has a Mustad Ultra Point 5 aught hook on there. It's got double barb keepers. It's got a um, dual umbrella skirt on it. I mean, this thing is a souped-up chatterbait. Yeah. It really is. It's funny you mentioned uh, uh, the uh, thing being such like a swim swim bait type uh, bladed jig. I, that's what I literally, I literally tell everybody that, and I feel like that bait shines in grassy situations. And I like to throw mine with a, a turbo crawl trailer, actually. Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, yeah. On any of the natural colored chatterbaits, we typically try to throw the turbo crawl as a trailer on that. Yeah. If it's not a shad pattern, we use the turbo crawl as a trailer on that. Yeah. That's definitely a good choice on that one. But you're right, because, and in grassy situations, one of the things with the chatterbait, when it first came out, it was kind of a seasonal bait it was one of those things that was just really thrown early in the spring grass is high you've got to be able to bring it through grass and a chatterbait excels in grassy situations since then of course it's become a year-round go-to bait because Mm -hmm. there are so many different ways that you can throw it but knives machetes saws and shears multi-tools shovels swords axes spears hatchets and tomahawks if it cuts snips slices or chops Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. 
make a statement, or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Um, with the Project Z, because the blade is further out in front, it does tend to come through that grass pretty clean. It doesn't catch a whole lot coming through. It yeah. pretty much just chops its way through, and with that sleek head design, it really comes through the grass well. I think that's why a lot of guys like that. It's funny because, you know, I watch the chatter going on, you know, online and stuff with guys, and, you know, everybody loves a jackhammer, which we'll get into, but mm-hmm. you, know, you still got those guys like, no, I'll stick with my Project Z. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably seen my well. comments. <laughs> no, man. You know, you know, yeah. I'm that same kind of guy. Yeah. That... Know, that's, that's the way I'll, I'll do it as well. But, um, you know, we had, so you have the project Z. Then from there we moved into the next thing that came out was the Chatterbait freedom. Mm-hmm. The one with the swing head design and kind of that, you know, that sleek bullet shaped head on it um, with a wide gap hook on the back. That was designed to come out as a weedless chatterbait and that was actually before we had the chatterbait project z weedless we had the freedom so the freedom was designed to be that heavy cover type of chatterbait that you could bring it through the mats the grass timber things like that without it hanging up the thing with the the freedom when it first came out the thing that a lot of us have realized since then is that it is truly a situational chatterbait it's the one that you want to throw when you are throwing into cover because in open water, your hookup percentage is not very good on it. The reason is this. You're fishing a Texas-rigged plastic on the back of a reaction bait. All right, So those two things don't always go well together. And, and you know, as a real-world example, you know, back on the Delta, um, we were fishing the thicker Thule, so I was throwing the Freedom at one time. And I was throwing into this patch of Thule's, and I caught three straight on that. The fourth fish, because the water's clear, I watched him pursue the chatterbait outside of the Thule's. Once he died, he swiped at it, and I missed him. Because you have to remember that your cover take is different than your open water take. Your cover take is very deliberate. Fish tend to grab onto things and hold onto them more than what they do in open water. Open water, they tend to run at things, slash at things. You know, they're hitting it on the move. So it's very, very different. And when you have a Texas rigged plastic on the back of a reaction bait like that, your hookup percentage isn't going to be as high because of that slashing take that they're using. So, you know, and I got to see that firsthand. I watched him come out. I watched him swipe at it. And I saw me miss it firsthand. So I immediately understood, okay, look, this is where this bait shines is in the cover because they grab it. They hang on to it. I never missed one in cover. In open water, I didn't get every single one that hit it. So it was one of those things to where, you know, you have to be mindful of where you're throwing each one of these different models. Yeah. So, so we had that. And then, of course, you know, later on came the jackhammer. And the jackhammer was actually kind of a funny story, uh, you know, because Brett Height designed that. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on us to bring it out. And we debated internally for quite a while as to whether or not we could actually sell a, you know, a $16 chatterbait. Yeah. I was like, nobody's going to spend that kind of money on one of these things. I mean, it's, there's no way. And, of course, you know, now we can't keep them in stock. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, well, we should have started at 20. But, you know, that everybody loves that thing. And one of the things that 
does make that different. And each one of these chatterbaits that we've mentioned so far has a different action from the other. Okay, so each one vibrates differently. Each one swims differently. Each one has a different profile in the water. The jackhammer has a little bit smaller profile when you look at it. It's not as big and bulky as, say, a Project Z. It's a little okay. bit smaller profile when you look at the head design and things like that. And the head design is kind of curved on the bottom, mm -hmm. and the blade is set up front, so it's a very super tight vibration, and it's designed to hunt a little bit more than what some of the other chatterbaits do. So on a standard retrieve, it's kind of going to hunt a little bit, go back and forth a little bit, or if you make the retrieve a little bit more erratic, it's going to hunt a little bit more. And there are a lot of guys that say that's what makes the difference for the jackhammer yeah. is that hunting action, which is one of the things that makes it so effective. Component-wise, high-quality components. It's got a gamakatsu hook on there. Um, it's got a decoy egg snap on there. The blade is actually a different thickness than the original Chatterbaits. Okay, so it's a different thickness than the other ones. Um, it's got, you know, a dual keeper on there. It's got a hand-tied skirt on it. It's got an elaborate paint job on the head with eyes on there. There are a lot of things to set that apart. And people are like, well, how come it costs so much? The main reason that it's so expensive is because that's the one Chatterbait we don't actually manufacture ourselves. We have to get it from Evergreen. Yeah. So okay. we have to get it from Evergreen overseas, which costs that much more because we have to pay them and then we have to get it shipped over, you know, and then there's, you know, all the you know additional import fees and stuff like that. And it's actually the lowest margin item that we sell as a company. Yeah, it really That's is. And yeah, and we but we had to do that because we had to set that price at a point. Where we thought it would still be accessible. And that's why I say, looking back, I mean, shoot, we could have gone a couple bucks higher, you know, and probably been just fine. But we wanted to try to keep that retail price as low as we could and still cover our cost to import it. Yeah. Having no idea that it was going to explode the way that it has. Yeah. That, you know, yeah so there was. Uh... <laughs> Go ahead, guys. I was so, going mean, to just was... say that. If you're not turn, tournament, if, if you're a tournament angler and you're not using these, man, you're not doing something right. Because <laughs> it seems like every tournament angler out there is using this bait. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. I mean, pretty much everybody's fishing it. I mean, it, the classic last year was one on it. So, I mean, everybody's throwing it. Yeah. You know, everybody has one in their box. And a lot of it is that perceived value that because it is more expensive, because of the different action, that it will catch more fish. And it's funny because the year that we launched that, um, you know, it exploded immediately. And I, I remember laughing because I got an email from another tournament. It was, I think it was an Elite Series event uh, that was one on the original Chatterbait, the 499 version. <laughs> <laughs> it was like two months after we launched the Jackhammer, which everybody said is the greatest Chatterbait ever. But it's like, well, the bass will still eat the other one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't know they were supposed to eat the jackhammer, and they still don't know that. It's funny you mention that because uh, Derek Brundle is down at the ten for the or the KBF the ten ten invitational, and he was catching them. He was catching them on the original, but he could not get a bite on the jackhammer. And uh, <laughs> he, he gave one to his buddy, who was like, "Use this, dude. They're biting this. They're not biting the jackhammer." I thought that was funny. That is funny. That is funny. <laughs> 
And that's the kind of stuff that never makes it to the public viewers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all hear about the jackhammer and how great it is. But like you and I have already mentioned, I mean, I'm still going to go back to the Project Z, or actually it was a couple of weeks ago when I was fishing. I was on an outrageous topwater bite. It died. And I looked at my box and I had an original chatterbait already rigged up with a razor shad. So I threw that on and immediately started catching fish. Nice. So and I was like, but this isn't a jackhammer. These yeah. fish aren't supposed to hit this. Yeah. You know, but yeah. a lot of it's that perceived value. If the guy has confidence in what he's throwing, he's gonna fish better, he's gonna catch more fish. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. If you have confidence in what you're throwing, you're going to catch fish. You know, and now we look at so we've expanded the the lineup again since then. This last year, we introduced another freedom chatterbait called the CFL. Mm-hmm. And this one's really cool. This, is, uh, this might start to fall into one of my favorite categories here as I start to throw this thing a little bit more. I really like this one. This one has a football head. Interesting. It's a swing head design, but it's a football head. And the blade is super close to the head. So picture you know, a blade on top of a football head really close. Wow. You know it's going to knock the crap out of it. Right. So that blade is knocking back and forth. But the biggest advantage to this design is that it will not ride up. And that's one of the biggest gripes with a lot of chatterbait models is that if you retrieve them too quickly, they will come to the surface. Yeah. They tend to want to ride up a little bit. This one, when we introduced it at ICAST, I was out at the on the water event and I would have guys throw it out there and immediately start retrieving as fast as they could. So that the bait was still on the surface to see if they could get it to come up to the top and they couldn't do it. Huh. It sounds like a good version of the chatterbait that could be fished like deep and away from the grass then. Exactly. Like on ledges, ledges yeah. rock piles, things like that. Because what are football heads really designed for? They're designed for rocky areas primarily. Yep. You know, the football head is designed to work its way through rocks without hanging up. Well, this thing is going to be ideal for those rocky ledges, rocky boulder patches, things like that, where you want that bait down and you want it to stay down the entire time. That's what the CFL does. And the price point comes in. I think it's I think this one is like eleven ninety nine, something like that. So, you know, it's not, you know, super expensive, but it's good quality premium. And it's thing as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a really, really good solid bait. Um, and I think we're going to do pretty well with that one because the guys that have thrown it so far are really, really liking it. Just is that, that a newer? Vibration. Oh, and the head is actually different. It's actually made out of zinc instead of lead. So it has a different sound. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's a newer one you said? Yes, it is. Okay. That's our newest chatterbait is that one. Yeah. Okay. I thought I saw that in the stores, but I didn't know what quite, quite sure what it was for. So I'm glad you went over that. So is that zinc? giving like a more high-pitched noise yeah. or like a yeah, deeper it's a sound? Different sound yeah it's a completely different sound than what the lead does so it's a different vibration a different sound and because it's a swing head design depending on what trailer you put back there you're going to have a different action than what you get off the regular mm-hmm. chatterbaits that, that's what so, a lot of people say about the jackhammer as well it, give, it gives an even more unique sound yes it is a different sound because of the way that blade makes contact with the head it's a completely yeah. different sound. Yeah. You know, and it's it's pretty noisy, too. It was actually, it was recently, uh, just a few days ago, actually, my distributor in South Africa um, posted a video on his website and had it 
underwater footage of the jackhammer with a microphone, and you could hear it. I, I might was have surprised seen... at how loud that was. Yeah, I might have seen a video by uh, Wired to Fish. They did the same thing with all they did. Uh, 12 of them, I believe. Yep. Yeah, I thought they that did. was really yep. interesting. That That's what gave me the inspiration to ask you to come on the show. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, they're all different sounds. They're all different actions. Mm-hmm. They all have their place. They all have their application, you know. And a lot of it just comes down to personal preference, you know, from the yeah. angler. Whatever you have, whatever you have confidence in, you know. Yeah. So we know what Brad's confident make is. So. <laughs> uh, well, I I yeah. like I like the price point of that one as well. I just feel like it's like the best bang for your buck. And look, and I agree with you. I really yeah. do. The, you know, when we made the decision to switch a lot of our chatterbaits to that fast hatch clip on the front, the reason that we did that is because the original clip design was okay, but, you know, look, there were guys that were, you know, opening the thing or breaking it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when we decided to go to the fast hatch clip, we actually tested that clip for a full week in Venice, Louisiana on Bull Reds. You know, and if we couldn't open one of those things up on a 30-pound Bull Red, on straight 50 pound braid, then I know the bass guy's not going to open that thing up either. Yeah. yeah. We never, ever had one fail. And that's when we decided to go with that type of clip. And we slowly kind of did inline changes with a lot of our baits to have that incorporated on all of them. Yeah. I have a quick question, Glenn, regarding like trailers for, um, <laughs> for chatter baits in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a few videos here and there where they talk about trying to match the vibration and you'll see things like the Kai tech get flipped upside down. Cause they think it, it matches the vibration a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will kind of use like, like Brad likes to use a turbo crawl cause right. the turbo crawl will kind of match whatever it's kind of on in a sense by itself. Um, do you think that's important? Do you it's think very it's very important? Sub- yeah, it is. Um, and not so much in matching the vibration as much as it is trying to match up the profile or the action that you need. Yeah. So, for example, like when Brad's using a turbo craw behind one of the chatterbaits, most of those chatterbaits are probably more in the natural color, not typically the shad colors that you're using. And the turbo craw will have a lot of action behind it. Okay, yeah. well, those two little claws are going to be moving quite a bit behind there. If you look at the razor shad, the razor shad isn't designed to have a lot of action behind a chatterbait. Yeah. And if you actually look at it behind a chatterbait, it's just kind of there, but it just slowly, it's just not even, really it just tight. kind of vibrates a little bit. You know, it doesn't do much, but it's not designed to. It's there to add a bait fish profile to the whole thing. Then if you need additional vibration behind that, that's when guys will go to like the diesel minnow. Yeah. And throw a diesel minnow on behind there because now you've got a paddle tail on the back. So if I have dirtier water, I want to add to that vibration. That's why I'm going to put on a paddle tail behind the back of it because I want that additional vibration. The thing you have to remember, <coughs> excuse me, the thing you have to remember is that that blade is disrupting so much water out front that not a lot of that water is actually going to get to that trailer in the back to force it to move. So you're not going to get quite as much action back behind that bait on some of those trailers as you think you're going to based on its shape. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. 
At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. But, right, so when you look at something like a diesel minnow, that's, guys will go to the diesel minnow because it's not only a shad profile, but they do get a little bit more thump behind it. Because it is far enough back and that tail is shaped that it's still going to thump and move back behind the chatterbait, right? So that's when their guys are going to that. And when you go to more of a natural type of color, that's where you want the turbo cross. Because the turbo cross is going to have that dual action. It's like a twin tail grub. Yeah. It's going to be moving and, and you know swirling around in the water. So it's not going to create a lot of vibration, but it's going to create a lot of action. Yeah. It's going to disturb a little bit more water, and there's going to be a lot more movement behind that bait. So when you think about what a chatterbait is, truly, what it is, it's basically it's the flash of a spinnerbait. Mm-hmm. It's the vibration of a crankbait. In the profile of a jig. And so then anything that you add in behind that is going to accentuate that bait from there. Interesting. I never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's a combination of a lot of things. Yeah. And with the the football head design one, man, that thing would probably be killer with like a crawl, you know, the turbo crawl. Exactly. Yeah. The turbo crawl is pretty much going to be the ideal trailer that. Yeah. Most guys are going to be throwing behind that one is pretty much a turbo crawl based on how they're fishing at the depth they're fishing it at. Um, they're going to want the additional action of those, you know, little trailers back behind that. Not only that, the other thing that you can do with it, a lot of guys will fish a chatterbait as a jig um, and with a buoyant trailer on the back, like a turbo crawl, you can put it on the bottom, rip it up towards the top, let it go back down to the bottom. Yeah. rip it towards the surface again let it go back down and that's one of the presentations that i don't think a lot of guys are doing with the chatterbait mm-hmm. you know that you don't hear about a lot but it's frequently used by guys fishing deeper water yeah kentucky lake i feel like that one would shine yes yep oftentimes that's where we sell a lot of the heavier versions of the chatterbaits that we have like the project c we make up to a one ounce because of that you know the uh, the jackhammer we make in an ounce and a quarter because of fisheries like that where the guys want to drop it off a ledge get it down into deep water rip it up let it drop back down and the thing is if you're going to do that you're going to have to have a trailer on the back that's going to provide some action and some buoyancy so that when it does get to the bottom it is going to stand up a little bit so it can still be seen yeah and you did mention something that kind of brought me back to when i first started using one because i remember using it on like i you know brad and i are primarily smallmouth guys we fish rivers mm-hmm. a lot and i remember first throwing it with some spinning gear and stuff but i would miss a lot of fish and when you were bringing up the fact that you know you're basically fishing a texas rigged you know single hook style bait i remember even when I got into throwing bait casters in my mind the whole time was this is a moving bait. This is a moving bait. Yes. Oh, you know, medium action kind of stuff you would throw with crate baits. And yeah. I remember I would get hits, but I guess that's kind of where I was falling short as far as like what kind of rod, you know, that I was using in a sense. And I think that's why you're starting to see more and more guys are throwing like medium heavy rods, you know, because you're basically fishing, you know, a Texas rig bait that happens to move, like you said. And 
I, I have yet to try that uh, all last year until you kind of mentioned that. I'm, I had never really kind of put that in thought. Like that single hook is going to be hard to throw on like a moderate action medium rod or, you know, to get a good hook set, I guess, you know. Right. Yeah, it is. And a lot of times you got to remember you you have to let them load up on it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah, it's a reaction bait. And a lot of times they're going to swipe at it and hopefully you get them. But still, you have to allow them to grab it, load up on it before you really try to drive that hook through them. You know, and it's easier said than done. Because look, I mean, I'm a smallmouth guy too. I mean, I'm a total smallmouth junkie. Um, you know, living, I lived in Columbia for Columbia, South Carolina for 11 years, and I fished the Broad River all the time. Oh, and yeah. you know, and, and and my biggest smallmouth ever came on a chatterbait. And that river is a 22 incher and yeah it was it was a heck of a fish and that was on a chatterbait and that was one of those ones i had to make sure he loaded up on it first Mm -hmm. um and and i was fishing that one more as a jig i was actually casting up river working Mm -hmm. it back down through a seam line as a jig when he hit that so i did have the opportunity to let him pick it up feel it and hit him Instead of a lot of times when you're throwing a chatterbait, it's a chuck and wind lure primarily. Yeah. You throw it, you wind it back in. So you're getting a lot of those swiping takes and things like that. So the rod action has to be such that it allows you to let the fish grab it, load up on it before you try to drive that hook through them. Yeah. You want to make sure that they have it. That's yeah. the main thing. And with yeah. reaction lures, a lot of times they don't. I mean, that's just the nature of fishing reaction lures. Yeah. A lot of times it's just, it's an investigative strike. They don't always get it. They just kind of slap at it. You're not always going to get those fish. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Me and Josh are both smallmouth fish, uh, fishermen, as mentioned before. What what chatterbait are you throwing in the river? Um, primarily, actually, that biggest one I caught was on an Elite Series. Okay. That was on the elite in the bluegill color. But most of the time, if I'm fishing the river, that's typically where I've pretty much gone to the naked Project Z with a razor shad. That's okay. pretty much what I'm throwing most of the time in the river. Uh, I just feel like that profile just suits the river fishing better. Um, I, I like the action that I get off of it. Uh, I like the control that I have over that particular bait without a skirt on it, controlling the profile, the action of it, all that. Uh, for me, it's just, you know, it's a confidence thing. So yeah. we all kind of gravitate towards our comfort zone. And for me, that bait is my comfort zone when it comes to smallies in the river. Um, so I, I typically throw that one quite a bit. And do you guys offer like your your chatter baits without the skirts? Or? We don't actually, no. Um, we've looked at that in the past and I'm not gonna say we won't offer it in the future. But for right now, we don't. We just kind of leave it up to the angler. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys pick your trailer. You pick the profile you want. Because honestly, if the water's dirty, I'm going to leave the skirt on. Yeah. I want the big profile in dirty water. I mean, I have to. But the Broad River typically runs very clear. Very seldom was I fishing it when it was just blown to hell and just chocolate milk. Most of the time, that river was clear. <laughs> and when that water's clear, I take the skirt off every single time. Complete opposite of our rivers here in Ohio. <laughs> they're always they're always a mess here. <laughs> if they're yeah. dirty, then that's typically why you're probably throwing the darker colors <laughs> and a turbo crawl on the back. Yep. You need as much noise as you can get out of that thing. Yep. Yep. 
I told Brad to start adding glass beads to his line too. <laughs> <laughs> you should just yeah. start lining up beads with spacers in between them on your line leading up to your bait. So every time you jerk it, it's like click, 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 click. That's <laughs> funny. Like, somebody's like, the fish no, are like, you... is that a boat? <laughs> <laughs> No, you, you always think of smallmouth. You always think of smaller baits. So I, I, I didn't no. know if you threw like smaller chatter baits or anything. Not at all. No, not at all. You know, to me, a smallmouth is a very opportunistic predator fish. Yeah. I mean, they're very aggressive by nature. Um, I've caught them on huge baits. In fact, I think uh, the one I had to laugh at the most on the broad was I was throwing our Streak XL, which is an eight-inch jerk bait. And I had it rigged on a 12-aught EWG, and I put a G-stinger on the back of it, you know, rigged up top, just because, I mean, it's, you know, there's no way in hell they're going to get a 12-aught in their mouth. And the first cast I made with that into a pocket, I hooked a 16-inch smallmouth, who came in without the stinger hook in him, but the 12-aught through the roof of his mouth. <laughs> so, wow. you know, so I discount nothing when it comes to smallies. I mean, yeah. they're just aggressive fish. When they want to kill they something, are. they're going to kill it. It's true. Like, I mean, I, I did downsize my swim baits over the you know past couple of years. But I mean, when I first started throwing them, I was throwing the five inch Kytex at them all the time. And, I, you know, I caught a lot of big fish like that. So, you know, I just I kind of think that when you, you do downsize, it just kind of starts to match the hatch a little bit more, at least it where does. we live, you know. Yeah. But I mean, because it's kind of rare for you to see. I mean, we have big shad in our river systems, but um, they kind of come and go real quick. Like I've only seen like big, a big school of big shad. Like I'm talking like over five to six inches, right. like maybe once, you know, mainly, mainly everything that we have around here in Ohio is, tends to be on the smaller side. You're looking at three inches or less a lot of times. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and that's typically where for me, when I go back, when I'm not throwing a chatterbait, in the river i'm typically fishing um our three inch minnows mm. and that's one of my go-to baits and it's also my favorite topwater bait is that because i can throw that on an unweighted hook because the material's buoyant it's basically a surface bait um so i can run that across shallow riffles and things like that keep it up top or i'll rig it on like an eighth ounce ewg and you know i can slow the swimming retrieve down control the sink rate a lot better because, I mean, honestly, what produces a lot of fish is control. Having control over your presentation is really a huge factor. Being able to control my sink rate um, with any bait that I throw is a big factor for me. So I want to be able to control my depth. I want to control my retrieve speed. And that's a big factor for me. So when I am fishing swim baits, I'm either throwing the 4-inch diesel minnow or the 3-inch minnows. Most of the time, the 3-inch minnows, because I tell people for years... Everything eats you. Everything eats a three-inch minnow. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, what doesn't eat that? Everybody eats that. So I throw that quite often, and I do that a lot for smallies because, like you guys said, I mean, I have there's big shad that that come into the Broad River. There's lots of them in there, but is that their everyday forage? Probably yeah. not. Their everyday forage is the smaller, more available bait fish that they can run into. So that's what I'm going to try to you know, appeal to them with is that. Yeah. 
This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, Brad, you got anything else? No, I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try that uh, chatterbait without the skirt, man. <laughs> Brad's brain is just like, come on. It is. Well, if he didn't have his headphones on, I'd swear there'd be smoke coming out of his ears right now. There it is. No, man, you, you, you inspired me to try this. I've never thought about putting that razor shad or diesel diesel minnow on there, so. The diesel minnow is uh, one of, um, oh, you know, it's it's a it's a great bait. Like I, like I've I've used it before, and I should actually get kind of into using them more often because yeah. I became a big Kai Tech guy. But one of the huge downfalls to Kai Tech is its durability, you know. Right. And Z Man with their plastics, it's just it's bar none, man. Like oh yeah, I've I've fished a TRD and caught you know, good 20, 20 smallmouth, you know, on one little TRD, you know, nothing would be thrashed. And you're like, yep, it's, it's going to go one more time, you know, one more time, one more time. And it just yeah. keeps coming out and you're like, yep, it's, it, I mean, those baits are so durable. They're even hard sometimes to put on whatever jig or whatever you're putting on. I was talking to Brad, I was throwing Brad and I actually went out fishing today and our conditions were, Weren't the great greatest. I mean, the weather warmed up a little bit, but we still had about a good solid 10 mile per hour winds. The the river only had maybe at best six inches of clarity and it's cold. It's 36 degrees outside. And I, um, I text Brad, I'm like, Hey dude, I have these, uh, Z man micro jigs. And I was like, I'm going to throw these. I'm going to throw, I had the little, um, the, oh gosh, I think it's like a little crustacean bug. The crust- um, yes. Yeah. The crusties. So I'm like, dude, this thing is going to be awesome. You know? And then I text Brad. I'm like, dude, I can barely get this thing on (laughs) because of the plastic is so durable. It doesn't want to pass, you know, by the keeper very well. Like, well, I'll, I'll tell you, here's, here's a little tip for all your listeners out there is that the key to rigging any Z-Man plastic onto a keeper is to pull it onto the keeper and not push it onto the keeper. Because when you try to push it onto the keeper, it wants to push back. But if you grab the material and pull it up and over the keeper, it'll typically lock on there pretty well. All right. But, you know, I mean, basically, you know, guys fishing plastics for years aren't used to being able to do that with a soft plastic bait. Grab it and just pull it up over a keeper without it tearing apart. But this isn't going to tear, so you don't have to worry about that. Grab it, pull it up onto the keeper, and that's the best way to do it. It's kind Honestly, of like, yes. the, yeah, it's kind of like the same kind of deal you got to do with the uh, the bullet finesse. 
Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, yep. the little EWG style. Okay, I got you. Yeah. I wish I would have yeah. thought of that because I've done it with those a <laughs> hundred times. <laughs> yeah, I've done them with the turbo Hold curls. Push. So. Yeah, just pull, yeah. don't push. That's the easiest way to rig it. It honestly is. But like I said, most guys aren't used to being able to do that or having to do that with their plastics. Yeah. And going back to your point with like, you know, the diesel minnows and the swim baits, I think one advantage that we do have outside of the durability is we can make our baits softer than a lot of other companies can because of that, like the diesel minnow and the regular minnows have such a softer body that it takes nothing to make that tail move. Yeah. Nothing at all. Any movement at all gets that tail immediately going in the water because, you know, when you use regular plastics, if you want to make them durable, you have to make them harder. And when you make them harder, you basically kill the action. Yeah. And with our material, we're not worried about it falling apart. So we can make it a little bit softer, giving you a lot more action in that tail than what you can get off of a regular plastic. And I think that, you know, like, you know what brad's been using that turbo curl on the back because those claws are so soft it takes nothing to make those things move behind a jig at all yeah. and it's the same thing with a swim bait you look at the diesel minnow and the regular minnows it takes nothing to get that tail moving at all behind any jig because it's so soft and we're not worried about it falling apart so there is a big advantage to that so you know when you're looking for action out of a swim bait that really gives us a big advantage over the others yeah. really has and with the popularity of the diesel minnow we've been able to add new sizes we have a five and a seven inch version of that thing now too so we've been able to expand that even more because the guys are like oh my god i love this beta wish you had a bigger profile in it <laughs> you know yeah i want a bigger chuck of meat out there that wiggles i was like all right cool i got one for you <laughs> nice well, you know? well yeah. we just we just hit an hour here so we can start winding this down uh, unless josh has any other questions i'm yeah. i'm done i mean yeah i think glenn covered it glenn i do appreciate you coming on talking to us man i will tell you this josh if you know if you could do me a favor like after you get about 15 fish on a theory would you just cut it off and put on a new one please uh, <laughs> help my brother out here okay i got a kid in college man I mean, uh, come on. <laughs> i'm sorry but i mean that thing is i was brad and i were laughing we're out there and i'm like i've got this trd man i was like it's covered in grass still it's like it was a mess and i'm like but it and there's not like a single tear on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've caught probably close to 25 fish on one TRD in a day. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, believe it. It. I think the the best we ever had was we had a guy send in um, a four inch uh, finesse worm that caught 238 bass. Wow. Um, uh, was it 238 bass? There was like six crappie and. A couple of warm mouth or something. It was just like stupid statistics on this thing. Wow. You know? Yeah. That, well, that's I, crazy. One thing, you know, like you said, like it's real nice because you guys have the buoyancy too. And a lot of times yes. when you get the buoyancy. buoyancy. It's just a big factor. Yeah. Look at like when you rig a swim bait, do you want it rolling over, falling over? No. You want it keeled. You want it balanced. You want right. it straight in the water, right? So when you rig a swim bait on a weighted EWG style hook, and you use a material like a Laztec, it's going to be balanced and keeled every time. So you right. could stop that thing dead and it'll sit on the bottom upright. Yeah. It won't roll over, fall over. You know, and for us here in Charleston, it's a huge factor for us. And when we use weighted DWGs or things like our weighted chin locks, it keeps us out of the oyster beds because that bait is not going to roll over or grab oysters or anything like that. Yeah. It's going to just simply just come right over the top of those oysters and never fall over or roll over. And regardless of my retrieve speed or 
you know, letting it sink to the bottom, I know exactly what that bait is doing every second it's in the water. And that goes back to what we mentioned about control. Controlling your presentation is what produces fish. And that's a big factor right there. Having that control and that buoyancy is a major factor in your control over your presentation. Yeah, I mean, if you got baits that are falling over, can you imagine you're a fish and you're sitting there like, oh, that looks good. Oh, why did it just fall over like that? (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? Hey, that Uh, looks. Oh, no. Nope, that's garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. I was going to eat it. Now I'm not going to. (laughs) That's funny. All right, Glenn. Well, like I said before, we do appreciate you coming on. Um, Anytime you you feel like. You guys are awesome. Yeah, if you feel like uh, ever coming on the podcast, just reach out to Brad and I. You know, we'll be more than happy to have you back on. Yeah, I'd love to do it again. I mean, we have there's so many techniques and different things out there to talk about when it comes to fishing that I'd be happy to come on and uh, talk to you guys anytime. Need to uh, refer you over to our bass fishing for noobs segment. Yeah, there you go. He 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 loves he talks techniques with like big anglers all across the industry. So that'd be cool. Yeah. I'd love to do it anytime for you guys. Anytime. Thanks. So you got any, uh, uh, anybody you'd like to thank sponsor shout outs, uh, where people sponsor can follow you. my employer Z man. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, I'm, you know, one of the luckiest people on the planet. I really am. I'm very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time that even if I didn't work for Z man, I'd still be fishing this stuff just cause yeah. I just, I just love the quality. Um, I love the control and everything I get out of fishing with this kind of stuff. And, you know, I encourage people to get out and fish as often as they can. And that's really what this is about. Just get out and have fun. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of tournament guys out there that are highly competitive. I'm not honestly in going in as many decades as I've been in this industry, I can count on one hand, the number of actual tournaments I've fished in my <laughs> life. Seriously. Yeah. You know, when I fish, it's for me. I just yeah. love to just take the kayak out and just go float around by myself in just total solitude where it's nice and quiet and just enjoy some time on the water. You know, that's yeah. what it's about for me. I just love to go out and fish. You know, and it's always fun when I have buddies go out and, yeah, I'll get competitive with them. Yeah. I really <laughs> get competitive with them when they show up. <laughs> God forbid any of the young guys that work for me, you know, start to outfish me. It gets better gets bad then but <laughs> awesome but you know it's it's one of those things that i i enjoy every second i get on the water and the reason that i get on the water is because i truly enjoy it it's not to win prizes or anything or to shoot videos it's just for me just to enjoy my time on the water enjoy the resources that we have here because they're fin- they're fantastic Heck yeah yeah definitely uh where can people follow follow you on uh, social media um actually if they wanted to follow me personally it would be uh at uh fish rockstar which actually that would be there's really an annoying story behind that we won't get into but um (laughs) it's actually fish underscore rockstar behind that because i do have a musician background thingy that's tended to haunt me and follow me the rest of my life (laughs) so but they can do that and then you know at z-man fishing um for sure on on instagram and on Facebook, because, um, I mean, we're constantly posting things. We love to share pictures that we get from people who follow us. You know, so if you're not following Z-Man right now, you need to. There's some great content on there. We post our videos on there. We're always refreshing it. And like I said, when people 
show us cool stuff, we love to share it with everybody else. Yeah. 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 You know, so if you want to get a fish picture in front of, you know, 270,000 people, it's probably a good way to do it. Just send it to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You better watch out. Brad's going to be loading you guys up with pictures now. <laughs> tagging you tagging you every time I catch a fish on the Brad or oh, There you go. There you go. I'm going to be looking for it. <laughs> Well, awesome. Uh, again, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Glenn. Uh, we'll talk to you some some time down the road, I'm sure. And uh, you have a good night. All right. You guys, too. Thanks a lot again. I really appreciate the time. You guys are fantastic. Thank you, Glenn. All Thanks. right, buddy. Have a good night, All right. everybody. <laughs> All right. Bye. See ya. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle, the letter N in fin.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.